0: Man, if you would turn with me to the Gospel of Luke, Luke chapter nine, excuse me, Luke chapter nine, verses fifty one to fifty six. Luke nine, beginning at verse fifty one. A few days ago, like, my wife and I were talking about Easter, and then my kids interrupted, and then we're like, Wait, is next Sunday Easter? And we were like, Yes. And they're like, Yay! Man, what a right response, right? As we look forward to Easter, right? That's, that's the Christian's holiday. The most wonderful time of the year. Today we're focusing on Palm Sunday, and Jesus would have entered Jerusalem. Luke 9:51. Focusing on a passage that's sort of right before Jesus gets to that last his final week or to that last moment when he enters Jerusalem. Luke 9:51 This is the word of the Lord. Lord Jesus, we ask that you would graciously set your face towards us this morning, that you would speak to us and instruct us and teach us and encourage us and correct us. And even as you set your face towards us, help us to set our minds and our hearts towards your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Resolution, a word that means a firm decision to do or not to do something. The quality of being determined or resolute. If resolution was a person, he'd be a very disappointed person, given how often and how many times people each year make resolutions with the beginning of a new year and fail to keep those resolutions. In some ways, it kind of shows a, a lackadaisical attitude towards resolutions when the very word means a firm decision to do or not to do something. They say that fifty-five percent of those who make resolutions keep their resolutions for less than a year. Out of that 55%, eleven last six months, fourteen percent last only three months, nineteen last last at least one month, and 11% last, last less than a month. It tells in the passage that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem, which is another way of saying that he was resolute. He was devoted. He was unwavering. He was unyielding. And it is his resolve or his resolution to go towards Jerusalem that is the focus of our time in the Word this morning. So firstly, let us consider the finality of his resolution. Twice, it tells us in the passage that Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem. And there's at least, I think, two other times in the entire Bible we have a phrasing like this. There's one in Isaiah... It talks about the face set like flint. Flint being a rock that was used before in ancient times to carve out tools or to sharpen weapons. The idea means when a face is set like flint, that it is rigid, it is set, it is determined. There is no moving it to the left or to the right, it is fixated in one direction or for a single purpose. When God spoke to his prophet Ezekiel, he gave him this promise that his face would be resolute and determined. And it's this very idea in Ezekiel that I think we can carry over into the idea that we see here in Jesus and his face being set towards Jerusalem. Ezekiel 3 verse 4, God says to his prophet, son of man, go to the house of Israel and speak with my words to them. For you're not sent to a people of foreign speech and a hard language, but to the house of Israel. Not to many peoples of foreign speech and a hard language whose words you cannot understand. Surely, if I sent you to such, they would listen to you. But the house of Israel will not be willing to listen to you, for they are not willing to listen to me. Because all the house of Israel have had a hard forehead and a stubborn heart. Behold, I have made your face as hard as their faces. In your forehead as hard as their foreheads. Like Emery, harder than flint have I made your forehead. Fear them not, nor be dismayed at their looks, for they are a rebellious house. Moreover, he said to me, Son of man, all my words that I shall speak to you receive in your hearts and hear with your ears. And go to the exiles, to your people, and speak to them, and say to them, Thus says the Lord God, whether they hear or refuse to hear. So here is God speaking to his prophets to go to the stubborn people of God and spake, saying, Thus says the Lord. He says, If I were to send you to a people who, of a foreign language, they would actually listen to you. But the people I'm sending to you have a stubborn heart, stubborn faces. And so God promises to his prophets that I will give you a face that is as stubborn as theirs, so that when they, you speak, saying, Thus saith the Lord, and they do not hear, and they respond in a way that, should not, that they should not be responding, when they respond, perhaps, with antagonism or with hatred, that you will be unyielding when it comes to declaring to them the word of the Lord. And here is Jesus, and it tells us that he set his face towards Jerusalem, And Jesus knew very well what awaited him in Jerusalem. Hostility, hatred, even though initially they would receive him. But that open and warming reception would quickly turn to animosity and hatred and anger and ultimately lead to his crucifixion. And yet, knowing this, Jesus still set his face towards Jerusalem. He was unyielding. There was no turning back. Jerusalem was his final destination. And when we consider a person's determination, we might ask ourselves, well, what causes a person to be so determined to go in a particular direction or head in a certain course? And one factor to consider is, is purpose. And Jesus himself certainly had his purpose that set him in this trajectory towards his final destination of Jerusalem. In John 12, 27, Jesus says, Now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour, but for this purpose I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd that stood there and heard it Said that it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus answered, This voice has come for your sake, not mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now will the ruler of this world be cast out, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to show by what kind of death he was going to die. Jesus says that it is for this hour that he has come into this world pointing not to the, a 60-minute a event in his life, but he's pointing to the totality of his crucifixion from the beginning of his betrayal to the very end of his life was for that hour that Jesus came into the world. And it is there that he will be glorified, and God in turn would also glorify him at the cross. And it is at the cross, as Jesus is suspended from the earth upon that cross, that he will draw his people to himself. Jesus wasn't looking to go somewhere else. His destination was Jerusalem, and there was no stopping him from getting there. John 18:37, Pilate said to Jesus, So you are a king. Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Jesus says that to this purpose he's come into the world, to bear witness to the truth, and it will take us hours upon hours to examine what he means by the truth. I mean, we just simply need to go through all the Gospels, consider everything that came out of the lips of Jesus. Because everything that came out of the lips of Jesus was truth. But to put it succinctly, to put it more concisely, Jesus came into the world to bear witness to the truth, the truth that he is the Son of God, the truth that he has come down from heaven unto the earth, the truth that all men are born in sin and are need of redemption. That apart from the salvation of Jesus Christ, that there is only punishment and eternal wrath for those who are outside of Jesus Christ. That Jesus has come into the world to bear witness to the truth that salvation is in His name. To bear witness to the truth that there are not 600 ways to the Father, that there aren't 200, there aren't 100, there aren't 10, there aren't even two ways to the Father, but there's only one way to the Father in heaven, and that is only through Him. That is the truth that he came to bear witness to. Hebrews 12, two, tells us that we ought to look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So even looking beyond his final destination that is jerusalem he looked even beyond that and saw the joy that was set before him the joy to be had the joy that was waiting for him and he came into this world to save us and also to receive that joy that was coming to him jesus was like an arrow launched at Jerusalem with the bow being the purpose that set him in that course. It is purpose that defines his mission, that guides him, that pulls him, that directs him, that compels him, that drives him to Jerusalem. It's like a a GPS when you set a destination. right? No matter which way you go, whether you go left or right, or even if you go away from your destination, the GPS will always try to direct you back to the destination to which you set it. So it is with Jesus. His destination was already set. So no matter if he went left or right, or if he went away from Jerusalem, which he did at times during his ministry, at the end of the day, his final destination was set, and he was headed towards Jerusalem to fulfill his purpose, to bear witness to the truth most vividly as he hung on the cross to bear witness to the world that he is in fact the Son of God come down from heaven to give life to all those who believe in him. And as he set his destination, as he set his face towards that destination, that destination also had a face. Because at that destination was your face and yours and yours and yours and mine because he saw before him the salvation of his elect, of his people. And so it was for our sake that he was so determined to go to Jerusalem. For us today in the present, when we look at a person and we try to determine that person's determination, well, there's certain certain ways that we can see how to gauge a person's determination Right, a lot of people might say yes, this person might say no. A lot of people might say no, but this person might say yes. Despite the obstacles and challenges this person faces, they are determined, they continue to move forward, they continue to go ahead because they are determined. But you don't really know how determined a person is until they actually achieve what they set out to achieve. Only then will you actually know how determined the person was. But with Jesus Christ, there's no mystery here because the Gospels tells us that he did achieve what he desired to achieve and that is the salvation of his people. So by looking to the cross, by looking to the empty cross, by looking to the empty tomb, we see that Jesus was determined enough to realize the salvation of his people and receive the joy that was waiting waiting for him. Secondly, let's also consider the meekness of his resolution. Even though he set his face like flint towards Jerusalem, there was a rigidness about the ministry of Jesus Christ as he was headed towards that final destination. Nevertheless, his resolution is characterized by a, a meekness you can see this meekness of his resolution in at least three different ways. Firstly, his, his resolution was a submissive resolution. John 6, 38, Jesus says, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who set me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. Jesus came not to do his own will, to fulfill his own dreams, accomplish his own desires, but he came to do the will of the Father. Now, lest anyone thinks that Jesus was somehow coerced or forced to do something that he did not want to do, John 4:34 tells us, Jesus actually tells us there, that his food is to do the will of the Father. Meaning that Jesus was satisfied in doing the will of the Father. His appetite was to do the will of the Father. He desired to do the will of the Father. Jesus says in John 10:18, "No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father." Yes, he was betrayed. Yes, he was arrested. Yes, he was made to carry his cross, and yes, he was crucified to that cross. But Jesus also tells us that no one forces him to take his own life, but he lays it down freely of his own accord. So that he is tried, he is arrested, he is made to carry this cross and crucified on this cross because he permitted Sinners to do so. The Gospels make clear that there is a unity of wills, that the Father's will is the Son's will, and the Son's will is the Father's will. So that as Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem, this was his will and not just the Father's alone. And it is so that rebellious sinners might then be made to gladly submit to the lordship of Jesus Christ. It was a submissive resolution. It was also a quiet resolution. The prophet Isaiah, speaking about the suffering servant, who is Jesus, says in Isaiah 53, 7, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth, like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that is before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem and he entered Jerusalem and there he suffered at the hands of sinners and not once did he beg for mercy. Not once did he cry out to the sinners pleading that they might let him go. Not once did Jesus ever blame sinners, saying, it's not my fault, it's their fault. Instead, he was resolved to take the punishment like a man, so those whom he saves might forever declare, not my will, but your will, O Lord. His was a lowly resolution Mark 10.45, which also speaks to the purpose of the Son of God in the world. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This lowly resolution was a resolution of service. What did Jesus come to do when he came into the world? His whole life and ministry was dedicated to service. He befriended sinners and those who were considered outcasts. He ate with them. He healed. He cast out demons. He provided food for those who did not have any. It was a resolution of sacrifice, his life, as a ransom for many. When he set his face towards Jerusalem, he set his face to die for sinners, to be a sacrifice for sinners, to give up his very life, So that all those who call upon him might receive life and receive it abundantly and receive it eternally. It is a resolution that is others oriented. Again, he came not to be served, but to serve. It was a ministry and it was a resolution that was focused on others. Other gods, other religions that people worship are very needy gods because they need the sacrifice of people. They need the appeasement of people. They need the worship of people. They need the acts of people. But our God, the God of the Bible, the God of the Scriptures, is not a needy God. He does not need our sacrifices. He does not need our worship. He does not need our praise. He is wholly and completely independent and sufficient within himself. And yet He made us in His image. And He redeemed us when we were wayward in our sins. Not because He needed our worship, but because He is merciful and gracious. And that is the heart of Christ towards sinners. As He is resolved to be focused on others and most vividly seen on the cross when He gives His very life On behalf of sinners, though his face was rigidly set towards Jerusalem and that final destination, not once was he ever arrogant or prideful or boastful or selfish. Yes, he was looking to the joy that was set before him, but that joy came also by sacrifice, giving his very life for your behalf and my behalf. So throughout his ministry, sinners were never a distraction from his final destination, But they were actually a means towards his final destination. Not once did the Father ever say to Jesus, Jesus, you're going the wrong way. Jesus, you're not supposed to go there. Jesus, you're not supposed to be ministering to this person. Jesus, you're supposed to be going straight to Jerusalem. The destination had always been set, and there were many stops along the way. But it was never a distraction from Jesus' final destination, where he would perform his greatest act of service. Third and lastly, consider also the rigidness of his resolution. Twice tells us in the passage that his face was set towards Jerusalem. Matthew 16, 21, it says that from that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Jesus must, he must go to Jerusalem. He must suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and he must be killed and he must also be raised on the third day. The scriptures teach us, concerning our salvation, specifically in the book of Romans, that God's people have been elected before the foundations of the world. And if God has already chosen his people from before the foundations of the world, then he has already appointed the means of their salvation, and that is the person of Jesus Christ. And if God had already appointed the means of their salvation, then he must have already appointed the destination of where that salvation would come about, and that is Jerusalem. So from the very beginning, from the foundations of the world, God must have already set his face towards Jerusalem to be the place where sinners might receive salvation. Jerusalem, for Jesus, would be the Thermopylae, like the Thermopylae was for the Spartans that fought against the Persians. Thermopylae would be Jesus' Jerusalem, where he would battle against sin, the world, the flesh, the devil, all the hostilities that were against him. He met them there at the cross. Like a, a linebacker who receives the ball, and he has set his face towards the goal. There's no stopping him from getting there. So Jesus has set his face towards the goal. And there at the goal, he would not receive the acclamation of the praises of men, but instead he would receive suffering, hostility, beatings, lashings, and ultimately crucifixion. And yet, knowing that this is what awaited him, Jesus, through and through, was tenacious. He was dogged, he was determined, he was steadfast, he was unwavering. even when it came to his disciples and Peter's concern for Jesus. So just after Jesus had told his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things, Peter then goes on and takes Jesus aside in Matthew 16, 22 and says, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. In the face of Jesus, there was this glorious stubbornness. There was no changing his mind, even when his disciple came out of a loving concern for him. He said, no, you are not. Even you are not going to be a hindrance to me from where I must go, from what I must accomplish. Like the faces that are carved on Mount Rushmore. There is no turning the face of Christ in any other direction. It is fixed. For Jesus, Jerusalem would be the Roman Colosseum where his blood would be shed and he would be suspended in the air on a cross to be a spectacle for the world to behold. And it is there where we would receive our salvation. So, as we consider. This day, in Christian tradition, in the Christian calendar, considering that this is Palm Sunday, as we consider how Jesus set his face towards Jerusalem, knowing everything that he would be called to endure there, let us be glad that he set his face towards Jerusalem. Let us be glad that he was not deterred by the sufferings that would await him in Jerusalem. Because you and I would not be here today if Jesus had decided to forsake his mission. Despite what awaited, despite the rebuke of his own disciple, despite the lack of faith and understanding on the part of his disciples, his face was rigidly set towards Jerusalem. You and I, we make many resolutions and we oftentimes we fail to keep our resolutions let us be thankful that Jesus took up this resolution and did not fail to keep it in the gospel of John John tells us there that Jesus loved his own even to the very end So even as determined as Jesus was to go towards Jerusalem, his love for his own was just as steadfast as his face was towards Jerusalem. So coupled with his determination is the steadfast love for his people is an unwavering love, an unyielding love, an uncompromising love. A love that will not ever let us go. A love that will never forsake us. As you consider Christ's determination, consider also your own determination. How determined are you in your Christian walk? Say, for example, in Personal holiness? Are you determined to make war with your sins and temptations? Are you resolved to fight every sin in your life, to starve your sins to death and put them to death so you might live a life that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord? Consider Christ's determination as he fought at the Colosseum of the Cross. Are you determined enough to stand with his holy church there are many challenges to the christian church today much in opposition to the christian church many things many policies and regulations passed down from the top that would seek for us to accept them and approve of them and celebrate them and even practice them that are inconsistent and in opposition to what is written for us in the word are you determined enough to stand with Christ's church despite what direction the culture is headed, despite what others above us might have us do? Consider Christ's determination as he himself endured hostility at the Thermopylae of the cross upon which he built his church. Is your face set heavenward? Consider Christ's determination as he set his face towards Jerusalem, the very city that stones and kills the prophets, where he himself will be sacrificed, all for your sake and my sake and for his own joy and for his glory. What is your face set towards? Is your face set towards, perhaps, pleasure, worldly achievements, success? Are you setting your face towards something over setting your face to the things of God? Consider what Jesus tells Peter, again, in that passage, where Peter intends to rebuke Jesus. Peter had a good concern. He did not want to see his master. He did not want to see his teacher Go and be crucified and be treated with such hostility. Any one of us would have had the same a similar concern and perhaps have said the same thing out of a loving concern for Jesus. Peter had a good concern. And yet he was rebuked for it. For us. There are always concerns. We always have our concerns. And oftentimes there are concerns with immediate things, whether it's immediate pleasure or immediate immediate safety or those things that might lend themselves to more convenience in our lives. There was a loving concern on the heart of Peter, and yet he was rebuked for it. And the imperative for us there is to put the things of God first. Peter had a good concern, but he was not putting the things of God first. A face that is set heavenward is a face that is set on the things of God first. And everything else comes second. And I want to be brutally honest with you, and you, this is not going to be a surprise to you if you lived as a Christian long enough, and that is that sometimes setting the mind of the things of God first oftentimes leads us into inconvenient situations. It is not always convenient to live a life that is determined for, for the purpose of glorifying God in all things. So take for example a person who has set their face towards the things of God It feels God's call and pull to give their life for missions, to forsake all things, to go and cross oceans, to go to another country, to another culture, to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to those who have never heard before. Right? It's not the most convenient decision that a person might make. But that's what it means to put God first. Or take your own job for example. Right? What if your job, and perhaps it's already done so, what if your job starts promoting, heading down policies that are contrary to what you believe according to the gospel, according to the word? Well, now you're in an inconvenient position, aren't you? You either have to consider leaving your job and trusting yourself in the hands of God, or perhaps consider talking to your manager or boss and having a difficult conversation and saying, Because of my Christian beliefs, I do not agree with these policies. You don't become a Christian so you can live a life of convenience, but you become a Christian. Because the inconveniences and the harshness and the obstacles in this life are not worth comparing to the joys and the glories and the prizes that are waiting for those who are in Christ. So considering what awaits believers, considering what God has secured in His own house for those who have placed their faith and trust upon Jesus Christ, considering those things, you're willing be put in inconvenient situations and hardships in life because you want the prize at the end of the road. There's no shortcut to the prize. For Jesus, there was no shortcut to the glory. For him to have the glory and the joy, he had to first go to Jerusalem and there suffer before he received the joy, before he was exalted at the right hand of God and declared the Lord of all things, as the Son of God, and as the Son of Man. And similar for us, there is no shortcut to the prize. Right, if you've ever been to the airport and to the TSA line, to the security line, like it's, sometimes it's just like ridiculous. Because even if it's like a totally empty, unless they open up the, the lines, which they oftentimes I don't think they do, you're zigzagging. Just going like this, like that, like, I can see the entrance. I can see the security point. I've set my face there. I'm trying to get to my destination. Can you just let me through so I can get there instead of having to zigzag all the way around to get there? But you endure it because your face is set. You're determined. You're getting somewhere. And sometimes, not sometimes, but for the Christian life, it feels like sometimes you're sort of zigzagging. You're over here, you're over there, you're over there, you're over here. Sometimes you feel like you're even going backwards. But in Christ Jesus, your destination has already been set. It's been determined. Christ has secured it for you. In one way or another, you're going to get there. And throughout that zigzag, throughout the zigzagging in life that we go through, and all the inconveniences and hardships that we have to struggle with, all of it is a means to the end. And so instead of setting our minds on the things that are present, the things that are there that we can see with our own eyes, let us set our faces further out than that, set our faces heavenward. to The prize that awaits us On this Palm Sunday, let us remember the face of Jesus Christ as it was set towards Jerusalem. And even as he enters Jerusalem, his face was still set to his ultimate destination, and that is the cross. His face was set. Let us consider these things, even as we read in Matthew 21, verse 7. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Father, oftentimes oftentimes we are less than faithful. Lord, we, we want to set our faces heavenward. We want to set our faces to Jesus Christ. We want to look to the founder and perfecter of our faith. But oftentimes we get distracted. Oftentimes we are met with challenges. There are clouds That hide the prize, that hide your face away from us. Lord, help us to look to Jesus. Help us to look to Jesus in His Word. Lord, help us to remember that our destination is set. That we are headed towards the heavenly city, that we are headed towards the new Jerusalem. And Lord, help us to remember that the trials and challenges we face today are worth enduring for the prize and the glory that is waiting ahead of us. Lord, help us to encourage one another to strengthen each other's hands to lift each other up in prayer so that we may together Continue walking forward, getting that much closer each and every day to the final destination. Lord, you have set your face towards Jerusalem so that we can set our faces to this glorious end that awaits us. Help us to set our faces there and help us to be glad and rejoice and worship for this determination on, the, place, on the, in the face of Jesus Christ, who was willing and did indeed endure hostility from sinners, so that we might have a place secured for us in heaven where you are. We thank you for these things. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.